Hey friends, we're back. Josh here. This is a small portion of an interview that I did recently with Andy Dowling from the Andy Social Podcast and the really entertaining power metal band called Lord. It's a great chat. This is only a small portion of the chat just to try and get this punching sideways thing back up and running. You will notice that the portions of the interview that I've picked out are specifically related to Aubrey Wodonga. And there is a reason for that, which is why I'm jumping in at the start here. Punching Sideways is going to be very much focused on northeast Victoria and the Riverina, New South Wales. So funny people, entertaining people, and any other kind of good storyteller that I can dig up from the local area, I'm going to bring on this show. But if you don't happen to have an interest in the area around the Murray River, I'm hoping the show will still be for you and it will be funny enough and entertaining enough to ignore all the local references and just get a laugh out of the show. But if not, thank you again for your time. With how many podcasts are out there these days, there'll be a show out there for you. So for everyone who's going to stick with the show, let's jump in with Andy now and the show will be getting back on a regular weekly schedule. So that's my commitment. I'm not going to get lazy again and move house, etc., and kill the momentum. So thank you to Andy for spending ages with me, of which I might not use all that much of. You're a champ, mate. And for everything related to the show, punchingsideways.com. I mean, some of the greatest stories, I mean, I think there's, I can't remember, the, I'm going to muck this up, but like when Maiden first came out to Australia in like the early 80s, I'm pretty sure they played Wagga and they had, there's something in their Run to the Hills book and it's been years since I've read it, but there was something on the lines of they had to wait for dinner to finish so they could clear the tables in the in the main room before they could actually start playing and they're playing later. And this was like on the number of the beast tour. And it's just like incredible. And you sort of just think, man, like Maiden played Wagga to begin with. And then on top of that, had that sort of experience. And But then there'll be guys in Wagga and they'll cherish that. I mean, there'll, there'll be guys that just w- can put their hand up and say, I was there. Like, I was absolutely, I was one of those, like, I don't know, 50 punters or whatever there that was there on that night. And, and what an experience. And. On the regional thing, some of the biggest music lessons I think that I've learned have come from seeing the way that professional bands act in settings that maybe aren't quite so, you know, music-friendly, like a pub that's been converted into a band room for one night of the week, for example. And there's bands out there. I I think most of the lessons I learned about how to put on a live show where you're bringing people in, not excluding them, was mostly from watching a band I'm not even that big a fan of, and that was She Had. Their singer, it wouldn't have mattered if there was two people in the room and one of them was the bar person and the other person, you know, was about to walk out and go to the bar. <laughs> like if there was only one person in the room, he would have destroyed the drum kit, jumped off the speaker, smashed his guitar and put on the show of his life 
because there was one single human there that maybe enjoy would enjoy it if he went that extra mile. I, I saw that a lot in the days of Sodans that great live bands, and I mean, she had that's their whole career has been built on the fact that they're entertaining live. But there was other bands that bought such an incredible show to such a little venue. Like I remember the first time Airborne played at the pub. The room wasn't even the same way around as what you would probably remember, Andy. It was actually the opposite way around, which made the room about a third the size because it didn't extend back to the bar. It actually, where you were, where you would have been on the stage actually was the back of the room. They played, I reckon they might have been struggling to be 20 people, including me, me, the booker, a couple of my friends, the guys from a band called Heathen Ritual who may have played with you guys at some point. Yeah, they, they, they were all there as fans. And Airborne rolled in with literally a stadium's worth of martial shit <laughs> and turned everything up to a, to a volume that I don't think Aubrey had ever heard before and put on one of the great shows. And you would never have that experience if you didn't happen to be in a little regional town because the smallest venues that they were playing in the city were like the Gershwin Room and places like that that were already established band rooms. And to see a band at that level coming back from overseas and then playing a stadium show to 15 people, that's the special side of regional gigs. Maybe they're not as great and maybe they're not as fantastic for your career, but to blow the heads off a couple of people and have them remember it a decade later, you don't always get that chance. Some of the greatest stories, I mean, I think there's, I can't remember that, I'm going to muck this up, but like when Maiden first came out to Australia in like the early 80s, I'm pretty sure they played Wagga. And they had, there's something in their Run to the Hills book, and it's been years since I've read it, but there's something on the lines of they had to wait for dinner to finish so they could clear the tables in the in the main room before they could actually start playing, and they're playing later. And this was like on the number of the Beast tour, and this is like incredible. And you sort of just think, man, like Maiden played Wagga to begin with, and then on top of that had that sort of experience. And But then there'll be guys in Wagga and they'll cherish that. I mean, there'll, there'll be guys that just w- can put their hand up and say, I was there. Like, I was absolutely, and I was one of those, like, I don't know, 50 punters or whatever there that was there on that night. And, and what an experience. And I mean, it's just, it's something that I'm always about the story. And, you know, whatever happens on the night is, you know, as far as whether it's going to, uh, help with your overall career or not as a band and whether it's going to help boost sales or boost your audience and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Okay. We all think about it at times, but for me, it's all always about the story. Uh, it's because the shows come and go. I mean, you, you can, you can tell people that you play these shows and, you know, unless they were there, you know, they don't quite know. And sometimes it's a good story, but I mean, really those, the, those experiences and those stories and, and especially the train wrecks, but the ones where you rock up and just there's nothing there, there's no equipment or they've mucked it up or, you know, suddenly something's caught on fire or I don't know, just some, something just an absolute train wreck of a gig <laughs> or a situation. And they're, they're the best stories. And they're the things that you've got something to, to walk away from. And at the time, you're certainly not laughing or you try your best to, <laughs> you try your best to laugh, but um, they're, they're fantastic. And look, the other thing as well is that, we we got to play these great shows. It makes it. I make. I sound like I'm so old, but I'm not really. But I sound like I'm this elder statesman. But you know, we played these shows, and we would connect with these guys in in these areas, and they were just starting a band. Like maybe the the, the opening band had only ever played their first ever gig um, with us, or their second gig ever, and they were really green, and you know, maybe they 
they got this little professional outfit that had been uh, financed by their by someone's dad or the dad's the manager in the band, and they're a little bit difficult to deal with because they're a bit high and mighty and and they want to be Metallica or something like that, and and that's cool. Like I mean, they're really you know they're good at what they're doing and and they've got a lot of potential, but you know they're they're a big fish in a small pond. So they're probably like, you know, all their high school friends think they're, they're, they're amazing. And, and so they've got a bit of ego in town and get to strut around and whatever. And, and so we meet these people and, um, and, you know, we're always just totally cool because we just understand in context of where people are coming from. And sometimes later on we go, oh, geez, like that guy was <laughs> a bit of a handful. Um, but what we what we saw over the years is that some of these guys come and go, but some of them just stick around. And some of these guys are playing in amazing bands now. And these guys can turn around and say, yeah, like I remember like just seeing you guys play in, in Goulburn or in Broken Hill or in Kalgoorlie or Darwin or wherever, all these random places that a lot of bands don't get to play. And now they're playing in these fantastic bands that are doing amazing things. And in some cases doing far better than what we're doing, but they, you know, there's comments that sometimes these guys make just saying, you know, you guys really sort of opened it up, you know, you opened up the possibilities and suddenly we got to see things a little bit differently and start to think that, um, there's probably a little bit more to just you know the the local five bands in our scene, and that there's there's other there's other options out there. And um, I think I don't think we've always been a big uh, influence on other bands, but I think at times it's we've you know by being one of the first bands to play in some of these areas, or at least the first type of metal band um, to play in some of these areas. I think we've sort of helped boost um, some people on on their own musical journey, which has been just incredible. I mean, that's that's far better than than anything else, any other type of legacy that you leave behind. It's just, you know, the, the impact that you have on other people just by getting on stage and doing a bit of light entertainment for about an hour. Talking about too many beers, I was actually speaking to a friend of mine, Tristan Tate, who's an illustrator in in Melbourne. He used to be the bass player of Subrusion in Wagga, and he also played with a band in Melbourne that supported Arch Enemy, but I can't remember what their name was. Ellipsum or something of that nature. I can't remember what they were called, but they were quite a popular band. He's a phenomenal bass player. He was telling me a story. He's a scary bass player. I'll just quickly, before you get into that story, I was so intimidated by him. Um, oh, he did he play in Lycanthia for I'm not Lycanthia, um, yeah, Lakotica yes, at he one did, point yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, he was in both yeah, those bands. Yeah. yeah, and I just remember being yeah, and I was so intimidated by his bass playing because for anybody that doesn't doesn't know much about bass, you know, you can you can play bass with your fingers, um, which is a very stereotypical, you know, if someone thinks of a bass player, or you play with a pick. And I was, I'm a pick guy and Tristan's a, a finger guy. And I just remember looking at him and he had like, I don't know, like a, a five or six string bass, just playing these crazy runs. And I'm just like, oh man, I need to slow down on these beers because <laughs> these guys, this guy's just like completely owning me. And I've always been intimidated. I mean, he's just, he is an extremely talented guy. I mean, you know, musically amazing. And then when he started really sort of putting all of his efforts into his illustration, I mean, his art is absolutely incredible. I mean, I won't, I won't. He did the artwork. He did the artwork for this show. So I was going to say that artwork yeah. looks familiar. And <laughs> he gave me a good deal on it, but I paid him what he, the, I paid him the absolute most that he would take. Cause I knew it was going to be phenomenal. And, so far, Andy, it's funny. I've had a lot of good feedback about different podcasts I've done in the past, 
but this is the only one where people have been interested yep. in hearing it before I released it because they saw the artwork. So yeah, Tristan's a talented guy. <laughs> yeah. awesome. he, he was telling me he, very, very he was good. telling me this story about. Uh, I just asked a couple of the guys that I knew you might have come across in the past if they had any good stories, and he was reminding me of a time, and he has a feeling that you were there, and it was one other guy in the band and a couple of the <laughs> Wagga, a couple of the Wagga guys and a few people from Albury. You were in the backyard of the house next to Soden's throwing plastic chairs into a tree. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. If you do, that was my that that that, uh, that yeah. was the house that I was living in at the time, and I was managing the pub. So I only actually had to walk about 20 feet to get to work. And I was just thinking the other day, that would have been in 2007, that you guys were out the back drug throwing chairs into a tree. Yeah. And I moved out of there in 2009 and not one of those chairs came down. The tree just grew around the chairs and that tree was about three times bigger. And oh, there was trunks in and out. Yeah, it was. That's fantastic. And I just, I don't know if you, it was that same night, but I do recall that. Tristan had many incidents of singing the darkness. I believe in a thing called love really, really loud. I can't imagine you doing that, mate. I don't know, I don't know if you're involved in that part. <laughs> well, I, um, it doesn't surprise me, but I do remember the house next door to the pub. Because um, when you when we're talking, when you're mentioning the, the gigs earlier on, um, I've always, I, I, I've been to Wodonga and Albury quite a few times over the years, but we only got to play there once. And it was that one occasion. Um, and I remember being, so disappointed because Sodens was just such an incredible venue. And I think even when we played, I think people knew that this was going to be one of the last times that, um, or, you know, the, the closure of the venue was, was not yeah. too far off. Yeah. And I just remember being disappointed, just going, man, like we're only just discovering this now, you know, this is, this is a fantastic. And I think we played there like on a, it was a bit of an odd night as well. I don't think it was like a, a Saturday night. I could be wrong, but um but I just remember just being Maybe so. In, Thursday, Thursday yeah, was Middle Yeah, it might have been Thursday because we might have done it with a few other dates. Like we might have gone to Wagga and then Canberra or something like that on that same weekend. But we were just, I was just so impressed with it because I thought there's so much potential here. And I knew, I knew a lot of the local guys in that area anyway because they, you know, everyone would travel to Wagga or they'd travel down to Melbourne. So we'd see them at multiple shows. And, you know, all of you guys played in bands as well. So we would be hopping on the same bills in different cities as well. So there was just a great connection. And then we, we saw this venue and it's like, this is a perfect setup. It's just a great vibe, really great stage. And just really like, no matter where you are in the room, you get a great view of what's going on. It was, it was a good setup. It was just well organized. And, and um, I just remember going, oh man, like, <laughs> is this, is, like, is there, is there going to be anything else? And, um, and it's just, I always heard like the local, the local guys there always, um, you know, complaining that there's there's not much, not many options there. Um, after after that venue shut down, so but I I do remember after that show, I think it was just a bit of a running theme for for quite a few years there, where we would always just like attach ourselves to one of the bands or the promoter or somebody like that, because there'd be some house party or you know we'd be staying in the pub itself or next door or whatever, and and so the night would just continue on, and so yeah, we find ourselves in the early hours of the morning doing silly things with you know. Chairs. <laughs> what I was, I, 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 the, the chairs does not. It doesn't surprise me, and it's and there's something in the back of my mind that may it it does sound familiar, and it definitely would be something that I would do um, if somebody had even given me an inkling of a thought that throwing a chair into a tree would be a good idea. 
I'd be several steps ahead of them, um, lobbing <laughs> the first one up into the tree, and then just you know, getting ready to run because I'd get in trouble, or or, or getting ready for the next chair or whatever it is. But um, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of fun stories there. But I'm I'm glad that um, that one that one sticks in the mind, and I think there's been a few. I mean, especially Tristan with you know, his bands as well, and doing a few shows around the place, and I think. You know, sleeping on carpets and you know, mucking, walking the streets in the early hours of the morning, you know, with a bag full of beers or whatever, and diving into hedges and all sorts of stuff. And diving into hedges is a Wagga tradition. I, mean... I couldn't believe the first time I was walking down the street with those guys, and they just all started diving into hedges. Well, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> 